You are listening to the first ever Colgate Coaches Show podcast. This is Eric Malinowski. Glad to be with you. We will do this every single week. And I'm very glad to introduce our first ever guest. That is Colgate head football coach Dan Hunt. The Raiders coming off a victory against Cornell. They're now currently in an off week before they get back on the field at home for their last regular season home game against Georgetown. Coach, first of all, practice schedule the same during the bye week? Do you practice the same amount of times or does it differ? Uh, A little bit different. Um, We gave the kids Monday off the Monday after after the Cornell game, and then we will practice Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then I will give them Friday off because I know a lot of kids are looking to go home. Some of these kids have been here since May. So, um, you know, this is a good opportunity for them to, uh, you know, go home and see their family. And, you know, now it's funny because the practice that we have on Thursday of this week is double the length of a normal Thursday. So it's a little bit more practice time, but, uh, you know, three days this week. And then next week we'll, it'll be a pretty normal week as we lead up to Georgetown. Is this week all about the fundamentals, getting back to the Colgate basics? Yeah, yeah, particularly yesterday's practice. Uh, you know, Tuesday we went, and it was it was just like being in spring practice. It was nothing to do with Georgetown. It was Colgate against Colgate. Um, really got a chance to look at some young kids uh, running our stuff. You know, those kids, the kids that are, that are your scout look on offense and defense, they spend most of their day, you know, being the opponent, and, and they don't get a chance to do Colgate stuff. So it was really nice to get a look at some kids, you know, kind of running our offense and our defense going against each other and, uh, again, good competition. That's why you know it's a good team. That was that was some of our most heated competition was uh, was offense against defense. But it is good, and you can spend a little bit more time in this week with the individual stuff, breaking things down in a little bit smaller, you know, smaller packages, smaller groups of players working on stuff together because you don't have that tempo of hey, we have a game this Saturday, we have a little bit extra time. So it is nice to be able to work a little bit more fundamentals than normal. And does this refresher week come at a perfect time, Coach, with six games down, four regular season games to go? Yeah, you know, I think so. If you're going to put it anywhere, I thought this was the, the right place. You know, uh, we're halfway through our league season. Uh, you know, and, and you start the year, you have you look at your schedule, and, you know, when we saw, you know, say we were back in June, you look at your schedule say, what are your goals? And you always say, where do you want to be at the bye? That's kind of always a good indication of of, of of a place to you know look back where you're at and we you know our first goal was to be three and zero in the conference at the bye and we did that and then you know obviously to be six and zero at the bye is something uh i promise you i would have never thought we would only be have played six games at the bye back in june but uh you know so so we're at a good spot right now and and we're coming off two two physical football games bucknell and cornell are both um extremely physical football teams that take a little bit of a toll on you. So if there was a two-game stretch to have the bye after, I think this was just about perfect. And how does a week away from game action help with the Raiders' overall health, Coach? comes at a good time, you know. I mean, we can take kids this week that, you know, you get guys that have little injuries but play through them, and they'll practice all week then play in the game and, and just take a little bit more off, you know, take a little more out of their out of their tank to where this week the kids that normally have little nagging injuries – we just don't really practice them this week and, you know, kind of resets them. And, um, you know, so all those little nagging things that are just kind of, you know, not too, too serious, but show up on the injury report every week. I would say by the time we play Georgetown, a lot of those will have gone away. And, uh, you know, now we'll start, you know, we'll probably start back up after that game, but at least you've brought yourself back up to a good level. So, um, you know, I always, I always love the, the bye week for that reason. And, you know, kids can catch up on work can catch up on sleep can catch up on eating. It's, it's really, uh, this is about as well of a place by as we've had. 
I know every time you take on Cornell, you obviously want to get the victory, Coach, but when you're playing in a game like the 100th meeting between these two schools, how important is it that years from now, Colgate fans, the coaches, and the players can look back at this historic one with only fond memories? Yeah, yeah, it's always nice. You know, you, you, that was one of those things you, you don't realize it until you kind of get ready for the season and you're reading up on everything and you're ready to say, oh, that's the 100th meeting. And, and to win that, I mean, anytime, uh, you know, I know that Colgate alumni um, have a special place in their heart for, for winning against the Ivy League. And then you go a little deeper and, and they have a really special place in their heart for winning against Cornell because they're so local. So just just that aspect of it alone is great. And then to win the 100th game, uh, you know, really – uh, you know, there's there's certain landmarks in every series that stick out, and certainly that's going to be one of them. And, and and to have that one under our belt, I'll certainly take it. And I think we have one more to go. I think they still lead the overall series by one game. So so next year will become a big one too. We got to even that thing up. But uh, you know, to be a part of it's just great to be a part of the hundredth meeting of two teams that are you know have such good traditions as as rivals and traditions as schools. Uh, you know, I think it's something that uh, we will be able to look back with with pride. Had some rain in this one. Did it impact the game at all, Coach? It certainly didn't look at it from my perspective, but down on the field, did the players complain at all? Or not complain, but did they mention anything? Did it affect the game at all? Uh, not really, not really. You know, I was thinking back. This is this is the first rain we've had at a game in a long time. Uh, there was one as um, our second our second scoring drive that we kicked the field goal on. Um, we did mishandle a snap down near the goal line. It was raining pretty good. Uh, I don't think it really caused it, but uh, other than that, no. You know, uh, you know, Coach Dow was complaining he was underdressed on the sidelines for a little bit. But, uh, you know, other than that, we were good. Um, our kids, we we practice in all the weather. You know, um, we've practiced in rain and snow and wind, so uh, you know they weren't too rattled by it. And um, you know, it was, it was funny though. I, I couldn't remember the last time that we had really had. Uh, rain on a game so um, you know I'm glad I'm kind of glad we handled it as, as well as we did tragedy hit the Colgate football program over the summer coach with the passing of legendary running back Jordan Scott how did the tribute for number 30 come about for this game we knew we wanted to do something to honor Jordan, um, you know, both as a player and as a person. And, and, you know, he is one of the most successful football players we've ever had here and one of the most successful running backs we've ever had in the Patriot League. So we knew we'd have to do something, uh, you know, to honor him. And, um, you know, I kind of thought, you know, let's put his name, let's put his initials on the 30-yard line. And, and um, you know, and then we were, we were talking about maybe doing like a sticker on the helmet or something like that. And then Coach DeCosti actually came up with the idea of having uh, having James Holland wear number thirty um, in honor of in honor of Jordan, and uh, when I asked James about it, he was he was all about it. He was very very excited to be a part of it, and uh, you know. And then looking back, it just worked out great. He had a good day. He scored a touchdown. He had some runs very similar to Jordan's, and uh, you know, hopefully. Uh, you know, hopefully we don't have to do this again for anybody, you know, but uh, it was nice that, uh, you know, kids on our team that really, you know, they, I'm sure they've heard of Jordan Scott and we do, and we try to educate our guys on the history of who we've had, but you could tell that they were, um, they were honored to be part of a tribute to him and they wanted to do it the right way. So I was really proud of my team for that. Recorded the third shutout of the season in this one, Coach, and you're close to five shutouts this season, and that's just mind-boggling. Most shutouts in one season in over 50 years. How do you explain it? I mean, like you said, you need all three phases to click. You can't have the offense turn it over. You have to have special teams play strong, and then, of course, the defense. But to do that three times in one season, and there's still plenty of football to play. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, if you go back to uh, last year, um, really starting uh, the week after the Lehigh game against Fordham, um, you know, I, I, I want to say we finished last year without giving up a defensive touchdown in our last 15 quarters. And then in our so far in our 24 quarters this year, in 23 of them, we haven't given up a touchdown. You, you sit there and you say, I've never been around anything like that. And, and our defense, um, what I really like about our defense is obviously you have to be good. They're good defense. They're well coached. They're aggressive. But they're so mentally tough. Like a couple first downs doesn't bother them. A team getting in the red zone really doesn't bother them. <clears throat> you know, they're so resilient and they're so calm um, when things don't go their way. You know, we've had plenty of defenses that one long play and they've panicked. You know, these guys just they line up and they play the next play, and that's and that's how you have to do it. If you're going to put together a shutout, you know, it, it's rare. You're never going to go a game without giving up a first down or, or flip the field play. But they're just so calm when that happens, and they're so focused when that happens. You just know, okay, you know, next on this first down, we're going to get them behind the chains, we're going to get off the field. And then, like I've said before, your offense has to kick in by controlling the ball and not, you know, no silly turnovers deep in your own end and, no, you know, no pick sixes, no, no strip fumbles for a touchdown. The same thing with the special teams, no block kicks, no long returns. So it's truly been a, a team effort, obviously mostly with the defense. But, um, you know, at this point, uh, you know, I just sit back and in awe of, of just how well they're playing. What is the difference since the first game against Holy Cross, Coach? Only game where Colgate didn't run the ball like they have been the entire season, and the only game that Colgate has given up a couple touchdowns. Since then, Colgate has run the ball and been an absolute monster on defense. So is it a simple case of just working out some early season kinks? Yeah, I think so. <clears throat> I think so. I think offensively, um, the, particularly the second half of the Holy Cross game, you know, we got we got taken to task a little bit, and and I don't think our players like that. And you know, we were making a few mistakes in the run game, and um, we we you know we didn't have enough answers for them um, when we got pressure, and now I think we do, and um, so. Uh, I think we've really settled down, you know, and again, points, points are points. And, and I remember saying, I, I really thought we played much better offensively against New Hampshire when we scored 10 points than we did against Holy Cross when we scored 24. Um, so I, I think that now we, we've got a consistent run game. We've given the quarterback enough options to, to, to really hurt teams if they load up too much. And, um, and then defensively, to be honest with you, the Holy Cross game is really, we were playing a little bit too hard. Guys weren't staying in the system. And there were just a couple times where guys, you know, went to do their own thing rather than do what they were coached to do. And it led to the big plays that led to the touchdowns. And, um, you know, we made a point about addressing that on the Monday after the game. And, and, and since that point defensively, you know, kids have been playing well and they've been doing their job. And, and that's what happened. So, uh, you know, I just think, again, each week our goal is to get better than the week before. And, and I think we, in a lot of ways we're doing that. So hopefully we can just keep that as our mantra of, hey, all we want to do is have a good practice today and not worry about anything else, and then tomorrow we'll have a better practice. And, you know, they've bought into that, and hopefully we can keep doing it. This is Eric Malinowski talking to Colgate head football coach Dan Hunt on the Colgate Coaches Show podcast. Was it a pleasant surprise, Coach, that the receiving core did that well without Thomas Ives, or were you fully expecting it? Um, a little bit of both. I mean, I was expecting it. I, I, I knew Owen Biscagli was about to have a good, really good year because um, he's just kind of done everything right. Uh, but, you know, to lose uh, overall offensively, you know, to lose Thomas Ives uh, really 
pretty much on the first drive of the season and then to lose Javon Wolford for the season on the first play of the season, you know. And so I think they've overcome both of those injuries well. I knew that the receiving core, they're deep, you know, they're deep. And and luckily, you know, know, Owen Rocket has has continued to do what he does with the big plays. And then, like I said, Owen Biscagli has kind of stepped up as that next guy to, to to go make plays if, if Rockets getting too much attention. So, you know, now hopefully as, as the season gets towards the end here, we get Thomas back. Hopefully that'll just bolster that receiver core. Um, and, and we'll just have one more playmaker on the field, which is, you know, you can never have enough of those guys anyway. So, but I've been proud, you know, I'm not surprised of the, of the reaction of the wideouts, but I am proud of it. The fact that they pretty much have the same exact body type, does that mean James, Malik, and Alex are very similar in their styles, or are they different runners? Uh, No, I think they're pretty similar. I think they're pretty similar. It's funny, they all, when you talk about what plays we run, they all kind of have their favorites, and it's kind of the same look for all of them. They all enjoy running behind a point guard and certain different things. Um, I would say that that uh, Malik is probably a little bit more comfortable than the rest of them, kind of out in space, maybe in the slot or out, you know, getting out on the edge. Um, but for the most part, they all like to run between the tackles. They all like the vertical part of the run game. And then, you know, Alex is definitely the, uh, you know, he's going to choose to run over you uh, more than anyone else. But they, you know, that and that's what we try to do. To be honest with you, we try to recruit to our system and get that type of running back because that's what does well in what we do. And um, you know, we stay disciplined in, in the type of kid that we're looking for and we don't not that these guys aren't fast but we're not caught up on 40 times you know uh we, we'd rather need the running style and, and the physicality than you know a kid who's 150 pounds but can run a 4.4 that that's really not going to help us so as long as we keep staying disciplined recruiting and stay true to what we need they should all look the same I haven't checked the stats yet, Coach, but from an eye test perspective, it seems like offensive coordinator Chris Young is having Grant Brenneman throw to the running backs much more this year, and it's certainly working out great. Yeah, yeah, that's something that we wanted to uh, to add to uh, to our repertoire in the offseason, you know, of, of – you know, still get the running backs in space, but just get them out around the O-line. And, and you know, I think it's something that we haven't done, so teams aren't really ready for it. We've actually executed – we have a couple different screen passes that we've run um, that traditionally we haven't been a great screen team. And, and I think we've we scored at least one touchdown on a screen and set up two more. So, um, you know, that's been, that's been a great adjustment that the offensive staff came up with and our running backs – are all very comfortable catching the ball. And then, you know, when teams, all of a sudden when teams jump them, you know, we're throwing the ball in behind them. So, you know, the great thing about Grant is, is you can show him a play concept and, and he kind of knows what to do. You know, if, if the defense does this, I'm going to do that. If they do this, I'm going to do that. So uh, once teams adjust to the running back, you know, he'll be putting the ball in behind the defense there. So uh, as long as they keep catching it and doing that, I think it's been a great addition to what we're doing. What could possibly serve as more of a distraction to the players, the national ranking or the current undefeated mark, or are you confident neither? Um, I'd like to say neither. You know, I'd like to say neither. Uh, you know, we talk all the time about just, you know, have your head where your feet where your feet are. And so that's why we try to focus on practice. And, you know, I think the ranking's great, and, and um, it's good to be recognized at a national level. Um, you know, but there's not a lot of science to that, and, and, but it is good. I'm not going to necessarily say I don't want to be ranked. And then as far as the undefeated goes, really, uh, you know, it just, it just comes down to now. I mean, our next three games, I've told them, our next three games will determine, through everything we've achieved so far, our next three games are going to determine what type of year it was. It, it, you know, 
know what I mean? So we have to get beyond, you know, our six and zero record, and and we have to be, you know, ready to to win these next three games. And and that's and that's something this team is really good at. You know, they stay focused in practice. They know all of our attention right now is on Georgetown. We have to win that game if we want the next one to mean what we want it to. And then when we play Fordham, you have to win that one. And that's that's pressure in a small league, you know, and. and you know, we're, we're, we're one of those sports, you don't get a conference tournament, you don't get another shot at it, you know, so, so you have to be, you know, you have to be on your game each time you play one of those conference games, and our kids understand that, and, uh, you know, it's nice to celebrate on Saturday night, whatever your record is, if it's good, and then on that Monday, you're, you know, you're 0-0 that week, and you have to go out and do it all over again. In just a couple moments, I'll be talking to Max Hartsman on this inaugural Colgate Coaches Show, Coach. And he describes his amazing journey back to the football field. What did his return mean to this football team this season? I think, first of all, anytime you can get a kid that to take to, to earn the fifth year and take it, I think it has a lot of benefits for them on and off the field. So I was happy that he took it. And, and but the the work that he put in, um, you know, on his knee to to get himself ready for this season, it, it's just been amazing. I mean, you know, he he's really not that far removed from his surgery. And, um, you know, for him to be so far, you know, available for every play we've wanted him is, is really a testament to him. You know, we, we're smart with how we practice him. You know, we give him what we call maintenance Mondays where he doesn't have to practice on Monday. Um, but, you know, he, he's put a lot of work in. And, and, and his presence on the field uh, really shows. His leadership, his, you know, he's seen so much football. He's so calm. He's good with a joke at the right time. He's, you know, he, he's a great lead-by-example guy also and that he's always doing the right thing. So, uh, you know, I think a lot of our success offensively and how much better we've gotten each week uh, has a lot to do with having Max out there. Also had the pleasure of talking to Dylan Deolius. One of the things we talked about is the starting linebacker core, all about that Pennsylvania pride, all four from the Keystone State. But I'm sure I'm not telling you anything new, Coach. I'm sure they inform you about this all the time. Oh, yeah. They let us know. They let us know. And there's a lot of... uh you know, it seems like we have a lot of Philadelphia Eagles fans on the team too, and as a Cowboys fan, sometimes that can be a bit much. But, <laughs> um, but they're they're just a great group. You know, they they take a lot of pride in in, in everything they do. And Dylan, Dylan certainly is the uh, you know another one of those stories, kind of similar to Biscaglia, but he advanced a little bit quicker. But just the guy who came in here as a, just a good football player who did everything right. You know, he's not the biggest kid in the world. He's not the fastest kid in the world. But, man, he's right where he should be when he should be there, and when he's there, he makes the play. And, um, you know, that's what good teams have. You know, that's, that's, you know they're, they're not the guy. He might not be the first guy you notice when you watch our defense, but if you watch the whole game, all of a sudden you realize that kid's really good. And, um, you know, so when you have enough of those guys, you have a chance to have a, a really good unit, which right now defensively, you know, you look at that linebacker core, that's kind of how they all are, you know. And, and you know, they're the – there, there's nothing wrong with linebackers from Pennsylvania, as we know. That's that's kind of a they kind of go hand in hand, and uh, and they're certainly living up to that state's reputation. When do you start to implement the game plan for Georgetown? Well, we'll we'll definitely start. Uh, you know, here Wednesday afternoon and Thursday, uh, kind of a base. We're basically making Wednesday. Uh, like a normal Monday, so we'll be no pads, kind of show the basic stuff, and we won't get too too deep until we get their game from Saturday. You know, we just want to make sure that they haven't. You know, you never know; they could all of a sudden be doing totally different stuff. So, you know, you, you get your base package in for for Wednesday and Thursday's practice. Then we'll get a look at their Lehigh game, make sure it matches, and then really polish it up next week. So, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we have two extra practices for them and a lot more film looking at time and a lot more recovery time. 
And what are your plans for this Saturday, Coach? Obviously <laughs> a unique Saturday, no football game. So what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah, this is uh this is unique. I'm actually uh, I'm actually traveling with my family. Uh, uh, I have one son who's starting to look at colleges. We're gonna we're gonna take in a, a college football game at one of the schools he's looking at, and uh, and maybe uh, look at a couple uh, prep schools for my other son, and uh, just kind of be a dad, you know. Hopefully, get home in time to watch the whatever the Saturday night game is, and 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 be a, be a dad for the day, and uh, live one Saturday in the fall where I'm not, you know, having three hours of stress. I can actually enjoy myself. I'm really looking forward to it. Coach and I was really looking forward to this chat on our first ever Colgate Coaches Show podcast and it lived up to the expectations great stuff thank you so much coach anytime at all I really appreciate it that is Colgate head football coach Dan Hunt next up on the Colgate Coaches Show podcast starting center for your Colgate Raiders Max Hartsman this is Eric Malinowski very glad to be talking to one of the stars of the Colgate football team and one of the four captains Max Hartsman Max, first of all, what do you do during the off week? Is it business as usual, just no game at the end of the week, or do you get some extra rest in? What is a bye week like for you? Yeah, first off, I just wanted to say thanks for having me. But, uh, yeah, we had our first practice of the week today, and obviously it's Tuesday, so we had uh, Monday off to start the week, and it's a good time just to kind of get in get in for treatment, get some uh, rehab done in there for guys that are a little bit more banged up. But, it's business as usual. Other than that, uh, we still had lift as a team on Monday, and then today we were back at it in uppers, so we had our shoulder pads on, and uh, it's a good opportunity to get better. Like Coach said, after practice, it's, uh, it's an opportunity to run Colgate stuff because during game, uh, game week, the, uh, we roll scouts, so kids that don't really play as much will give us a look, and they'll pretend to be the opposing team, and they don't really have an opportunity to run Colgate stuff. But uh, this week we should have a good opportunity to run one's one so we uh as an offense we're grateful to go up against a great defense as uh, everyone knows and then uh an opportunity for some of the guys that don't play as much to get um back in touch with some of uh, the, the cold gateways and some of the plays that we're running on uh, both offense and defense is this a perfect time then to have the off week to kind of go back to the fundamentals as coach likes to call it seeing that you guys are basically halfway through your season a little more than halfway yeah i think so i mean Normally, we're a little more banged up at this point in the season. We're uh, pretty remarkably healthy this year, but it's a good time just to take a week to focus on ourselves and uh, just get back to playing football, like you said, going up. we got a good offense, a good defense, and letting those guys battle it out and uh, letting everybody just play some football, some stress-free football. Now, are you guys able to score against the defense in practice? Because no one else can score against them during the games, <laughs> Max. So can you guys actually score against them in practice? Yeah, it's funny you ask. I'd like to say so, and probably I'm a little biased, but uh, last time we had a, a week like this was Furman, obviously, with uh, the cancellation of the game, which was a little unexpected, but that week was similar to this in the sense where we did a little ones-one action. And, uh, yeah, offense definitely held their own. I mean, our defense is great and uh, and all, but I think we, uh, we do all right against them. First game against Holy Cross, Colgate was not running the ball like they usually do. Since then, it's been lights out as far as the running game is concerned. What's been the difference, Max? Yeah, I mean, our offense is really predicated on uh, just chemistry and cohesion. So, I mean, it takes a little while. I mean, camp is a good three weeks to get prepped for week one. But just to have everything clicking on all cylinders does take a little bit of time. And the thing about this team is we're just very experienced. Uh, a lot of guys have kind of been there before and, 
guys that haven't been are uh, fortunate enough to look up to some guys that have played a good amount of games and just to see everything kind of click throughout practices and games, just learn to play with each other, some new guys that are coming in and out on the field, things like that. And, uh, yeah, it really just took a little bit of time, but no one lost any hope at any point in time. No one was really worried. We all knew it was a matter of time. And, uh, I mean, this offense still, I can always, I can speak for the offense. We still have a ton of room to grow. I mean, the scores have been last two weeks, 31 nothing, 27-3, but, if you ask guys, at least on the offensive line, we're hungry for more. We know that there's so much more that we can achieve as an offense, and we can take this offense to new heights, and that it's just continuing to click, continuing to work hard, getting your playbook, watch film, all those things. But uh, we're ready to really take off here in the next couple of weeks. Not giving away any telltale signs, but do you never know where the ball is going on the read option? Is Sometimes it's a pure fake or it is predicated completely on the read and you don't even know where the ball is going, Max. Yeah, honestly, we have no idea where the ball is going, so we kind of know what, what the read gap is. But still, from there, it's on the quarterback and running back. And they're matched to see who's going to have the ball and obviously they try to make the best decisions possible, but I never know who has the ball. Um, most of our offense is never really just a give. It's normally a read. They're uh, always looking at someone, and uh, they're basing their decision off that defender's decision. So, it's uh, honestly, I don't mind it that way, though. It just, uh, it just incentivizes the offensive line every play that we got to block our tails off because we don't know if there's a guy behind us or if the other guy has the ball and he's 10 yards to our left. But it doesn't really matter. It doesn't factor in our decision as a lineman and our blocking assignments that we're and I'm locked our butts off every play. Take us through last year, Max. ACL injury, heard you were done, then you come back despite the injury, then we heard about a bus ride that led to the return this season. Take us through that roller coaster 2017 for you, Max, starting with the injury. Yeah, it was it was a lot to handle at times, but uh so week 4 was Furman at home and uh the second or third play of the game I just got my knee buckled up on me and uh, heard a little pop, and I knew it wasn't good. Um, I was just I was so frustrated, man. They brought me in to, under the stadium. The doctors looked at it, and he's like, your ACL, it's torn. And I, I don't know. This game has done so much for me, and I've given so much back to this game that, like, I, I couldn't do anything. I broke down. I was just like, man, like, I didn't know. I never. I've been fortunate enough to not have a knee injury. I've had every other injury but knee. But the only thing I knew about ACL was growing up and watching Sports Center. In the bottom of school would always say, whatever wide receiver, offensive lineman, point guard, say torn ACL parentheses out for season. And uh, I kind of knew that verdict from the moment the doctor said it. And I don't know. It sucked. I knew I had a long battle ahead of me. I didn't know what to expect. I have a good relationship with our training staff here. Cody Herbert's awesome. And he's done a lot for me personally. And uh, just met with him. I was like, there's no shot I can play through this. And he's like, we don't suggest it. We don't suggest it. But if it's something you're trying to do, we'll work with you along the way and make sure you're as safe as possible in doing so. So, you know, I try to battle through it as much as I can. I was voted a captain last year. And there's a lot of young guys playing at the time. And I just wanted to give them someone to look up to, someone that they could say, wow, you know, this guy works hard and this guy takes his losses. But, uh, continues to grind and make the most of it and uh so i just i was in the training room at all times i was icing stretching trying to get everything strong in my leg again and two weeks after i tore my acl i played a little over a quarter against lehigh and uh that's a cool moment for me the first moment first time i stepped out there is scary definitely but uh kind of got into a little groove there and just try to provide anything the team needed a guy went down they called my name i went in and just try to make sure that i could uh 
keep up the same level of play that the previous guy had. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it gave me a little bit of hope for the rest of the season. I didn't really play too much after that. I thought initially when I was hurt, I knew it was a year recovery. I was like, I'm done. There's no shot I can play. I had a red shirt from my freshman year. And just after thinking it through, getting back on the field, seeing that I could still be uh, semi-successful with the torn ACL, um, I thought, like, why not try and do this again? And, I mean, after a lot of talks with my parents and mentors within the Colgate football program, alumni base, things like that, I just decided this is what I wanted to do. Um, I mean, I knew all the potential this team had returning. I was hoping to be a big part of that and uh, come back and just provide anything that I could for this team. And, I mean, so far, obviously, I regret nothing. And uh, we've done a lot of good things this season and hopefully a lot of great things to come. That's an amazing journey. Now I have a couple of questions about what you said. Let's say you were a sophomore just kind of starting out. Would you have ever thought about playing on the ACL or was it kind of a perfect storm, the fact that you guys had a chance to win the Patriot League title, the fact that you were a senior, the fact that you were a captain, all those things kind of factor in? Yeah, I mean, I'd say it was a perfect storm, but I've also I've fought through injuries uh, throughout my time here. In 2015, when we made the run, I actually had a, a bone spur in my ankle and a little bit of a stress fracture in my foot, so essentially two kind of busted bones in my foot and ankle. And Now, how painful was that, Max? That sounds painful even you saying it. How painful was that? Yeah, I mean, it definitely wasn't fun, but it's uh, something you just kind of get ready to go on game day. I mean, the coaches are obviously smart with it throughout the week. I got to work in when I needed it at practice, and, uh, you know, off the field, it's a lot of ice, it's a lot of stem, it's a lot of rest, elevation, all those things just to get you ready to play. And, you know, come Saturday, yeah, we're not playing in front of 100,000 people, so you're not really juiced up that way, but it's just like you realize who you do it for. And, I mean, like it's been said a lot of times, coaches say you play for the name on the front of the jersey, not the back. And, I mean, I'm just grateful for this opportunity to have played football here at Colgate. And, I mean, I love this football program. I love this school. And I'll just do anything to help this team succeed on the field on Saturdays. And when you do redshirt, Max, how does that affect you academically? Do you have to take a semester off academically? Just tell the listeners a little bit about that. Yeah, so second semester last year, I was on par to graduate in May with the rest of my classmates, but with the decision for me to redshirt, I took second semester off and postponed my graduation to December of uh, this year, so my time here at Colgate's winding down, but then the prerequisite to do that, to take the semester off, is you have to be actively in an internship, so with my knee, I wanted to be on campus so I could uh, use the rehabilitation facilities here we've got an anti-gravity treadmill and then just all the hands-on treatment i could get from cody so i decided to stay on campus and then my internship i'm an economics major so my internship was with northwestern mutual in new hartford so i uh, i'm from chicago but i drove a car back after break around the new year and uh worked at northwestern mutual during the day and then got some treatment in at night and just did everything in my power to get healthy as uh quickly as possible and it's been a long time coming but I, I really feel great I mean I think I'm right around 11 months now post-op and my doctors cleared me pretty early on they said I wasn't eligible to play spring ball but they said had I been I probably would have been cleared close to five months post-surgery when uh the timetable is really like 10 12 14 months so I was pretty quick getting uh getting cleared to play but 
still went through my struggles getting back into football during camp, even through the first couple weeks. You know, things didn't feel 100%, but I really think I'm getting there now, and I really don't have too many complaints. Do you have any mental hiccups? Like, is it always there? Are you kind of nervous since you went through it once so you could injure it again? Is that a mental block at all, Max? Or once you're out on the field, you really don't think about it, you just play? Yeah, you don't really have an opportunity to think about it. I mean, I think about it at times off the field at least initially you know i've seen three kids redshirt since i've been here three of my teammates all three were coming off torn acls going into the redshirt year i think all three would agree they came back a little bit slower than they'd previously been that kind of just stuck with me i was like i was a decent player before the injury acl is a huge injury coming back i just like i knew i was going to give him my all rehab i didn't want to be coming back a step slow and it's nothing against the kids who came back a step slow they put everything they had into rehab as well but I just I, I refuse to let that happen to me so with all that being said you know when I get back on the field you just got to flip that switch there's a there's no time for mental weakness out there you really once you're out there you're it's go 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 and I mean if you're thinking about that you're going to get yourself hurt so in order for me to do my job out there physically mentally I just got to be in the zone and uh, not really thinking about my knee. Now, it's definitely no Chicago, Max, but New Hartford has some good places to eat. Did you have some good lunches there while you were working in New Hartford? Honestly, I did not. Uh, right across from the uh, from the office was a Jimmy John, so I'd walk over there periodically. But I have heard that there are great things to eat in New Hartford, but I didn't get to uh, experience it too, too much, unfortunately. I know some of the guys including myself we get our haircuts out in utica which is nearby and uh i will say there's a restaurant called slice and they got some delicious chicken wings with their in-house flavors called the purple cow i don't know i recommend that to anyone out in that area but other than that i really we didn't really do too much eating out there can never go wrong with a purple cow max now i usually say to student athletes i'm talking to you still have plenty of time to think about it graduation is still a long ways away but for you you said you're going to graduate in December, so are future plans set in stone, Max? No, they're not set in stone yet, but they're uh, they're getting there. You know, the what I've come to realize about this football program as a whole in the school is that the alumni base is awesome, and uh, really just trying to leverage that and take advantage of every opportunity at the uh, next level professionally. So, obviously, football is coming to an end, and got to get ready to uh, enter the workforce and do all those things. So. Uh, just talking with a lot of mentors, talking with a lot of different companies now, just trying to narrow down what exactly it is I want to do and uh, who I want to do it with. So we'll see. Those are all those uh, decisions will all be made here shortly, I believe. All right, let's talk more football for all those Colgate Coaches Show podcast diehards out there. Take us down to the field level, Max. After the huddle breaks, what goes on? Yeah, I mean, playing center, a lot of times it's said you're kind of the quarterback of the offensive line, and for our particular offense, I believe that would probably hold true. Um, a lot of communication on the line among everyone, so the tackles will do a little call every play where they'll let uh, the interior offensive linemen know how many guys are outside of them, and then as a center, I'll do my calls, so I'll label the front, so I count how many defensive linemen are in front of me, so if it's two or four, that's an even number, obviously, and then one or three is odd, so I'll kind of label the front even or odd. And I'll label the mic, so that's the play side inside backer, so it could change every play. And you just kind of point him out, call out his number. So it's a reference point. It really doesn't mean much. And 
defenses don't really look into it too much, but it does kind of help our guys just kind of stay on track. So, yeah, I get up there, I label the front, tackles make their call, I label the mic. Sometimes I set the pass protection based on the specific play came in, coming in, and then uh, just kind of echoing it along the lines from center to guards to tackles and then tackles back. It's just so everyone's on the same page. Um, the running back will make a call to let us know whether or not he's in on protection, so that'll kind of change some things as well. And uh, you go from there, but there's a lot more mental aspect to football than people think. I mean, a lot of times, it's a lot of some of the biggest and strongest guys you'll see kind of walking around, but you don't really think of all, of all the mental aspect that goes into it and all the thinking that's done on every single play. Even fourth and inches, you know Colgate's always operating out of the shotgun, Max. Saying that, is it hard to snap to Brenneman in the shotgun formation, or is this something you've been doing since high school? Did you run a different offense in high school? Just tell us a little bit, because you make it look easy, Max, even when it was raining the other week against Cornell, but just tell us a little bit about that shotgun snap. Yeah, it's something I've been doing since seventh grade. It was the first year I played football, and I played center. And uh, I don't know, growing up in my town, we had some good uh, – good older offensive linemen for me to look up to and kind of emulate out there and uh, even work with a little bit. So I was grateful to have an upbringing of being behind some successful guys on the offensive line. And it's really, it's become second nature to me. We did a little more under center in high school, but we did shotgun as well. And then here, like you said, it's obviously strictly shotgun, but it doesn't make too much of a difference. Um, You see some younger guys here struggle with center um, at this level coming out of high school just because sometimes you have a guy literally right over you and you're responsible for blocking him. So whereas a guard can kind of get out of their stance, step, and block, I kind of have to snap. And as I snap, I'm a lefty, so my left hand goes back, my right hand comes up. So they kind of work in uh, opposition of each other. So the left hand goes back, right hand comes up, and you got to do it kind of simultaneously. And kind of it's a little bit of a disadvantage for a center because you're obviously initially blocking with just one arm whereas a guard can kind of get two out there immediately or a tackle but just kind of something you learn to work through and uh like anything else with practice uh comes a little bit easier the two new starters on the offensive line right now Holsoppel and queen how are they coming along max they're coming along great i think they would tell you the same thing i believe but i think they're grateful for our early season uh, experiences against some CAA opponents. Uh, some of those defensive ends particularly were pretty big and talented guys, and uh, they've had struggles, a little bit of growing pains, but that's expected. Um, it's a whole new level of ball here from high school, and obviously both of them haven't played. Well, Javion's a freshman, but Chaz really hasn't played too much since high school. So, you know, you got to get your feet wet a little bit, get used to the, the speed of the game, the pace of play, things like that. And, uh, like I said, they had some early season uh, battles with some talented players, and it's really just set them up for the success that they've been having lately. And uh, they're a pivotal part of our offense. I mean, both in the run and pass game. Without them, uh, they're not doing their jobs. Our offense is going nowhere. So um, they've really been holding their own and excelling, I think, a lot. And it's uh, it's great to see, and it's great for the future of this program. Now, when I do my game prep, it has been drilled in my head that if you're on the Colgate offensive line, you're either from Illinois or you're from Pennsylvania. Is there a friendly rivalry between the guys from Illinois on the line and the guys from Pennsylvania on the line? Uh, not not too, too much. Uh, it is funny, though. The starting line uh, week one was from left tackle. Left tackle, left guard, center were uh, Chicagoland, and then right guard, right tackle were uh, Philadelphia guys. So, yeah, it's something we talk about sometimes. <laughs> Coach Dunley, I'll 
make a little joke about it here and there. Like me and Jack mess up a block. He'll, uh, he'll let us know we're both from Chicago. But uh, other than that, it doesn't really get talked about too, too much. I, uh, I remember when we played, uh, let's see, in 2015 when we made the run. I was fortunate enough to play on that team. And uh, throughout our first two playoff games, there was a, a little bit of a spotlight on the offensive line because we played well. And uh, they said on the left side of that time, we had Jordy and Grant Siegel, who were the, from the same uh, high school in Miami. So we had Miami on the left. And then the right side, we had, uh, <clears throat> I forget, we had John Weber from West Virginia and me from Chicago. So it was just kind of like a little mixture of every kind of city. And there was a little article about that, which was funny. But, yeah, we don't really talk about where we're from too, too much. And did Thomas Ives have a mullet in high school, or is this a college phase for him? Nah, he messed around with a little bit of a mullet in high school, too, in, uh, throughout football and basketball season. And, uh, yeah, he's growing it back now. We should have uh, should have some funny facial hair going into the end of the season. we got some guys growing some beards out, and uh, we got some funny things planned. But, yeah, he went with a little bit of a mullet back in uh back in high school, and he's bringing it back now, him and T.J. Bull. Yeah, and the Hinsdale mascot, I looked on the Wikipedia page, no joke, huh, Max? That Red Devil's pretty intimidating. I had to get out of that page pretty soon. He was freaking me out a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's what we grew up with. It was Red Devil Nation out there, and uh, I was growing up, I mean, the only colored clothing everyone wore in town was red. It was always red, and it was always uh, Red Devils, so... That's what we kind of grow up knowing, and uh, we got a little friendlier mascot here with the Raiders. Do you still celebrate Halloween, Max? No, I don't. Uh, Halloween's actually my birthday, so it's uh, always had a little bit of a different meaning to me. I had uh, candy and cake and presents as a kid growing up, but uh, yeah, I think I'm out of the uh, dressing up phase, just kind of relax. I'll be turning 23, so uh, yeah, I mean, just getting ready to, uh, to play football and then go from there. That's great. Actually, on October 31st then, Max? Yep, that's correct. That's awesome and great stuff, Max. I really appreciate you being on the first ever Colgate Coaches Show podcast. Thank you so much, Max. Yeah, I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. That is the starting center and one of the four captains on the Colgate men's football team. This is Eric Malinowski. As the podcast rolls on, we're going to switch our attention from the offense to the defense. Next up is star linebacker for your Colgate Raiders, Dylan Deolius. Dylan, first of all, how does it feel to be nationally ranked Colgate University has cracked the top 25? Yeah, I know it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, you know, when you get you get credit for the things you do, it feels good. Um, at the end of the day, though, you know, those things are just distractions to us. You know, Coach Hunt just talked about it today in practice. You know, there's going to be a lot of noise. There's a lot of buzz going on around our team right now. And, you know, those rankings and all those projected brackets are something that we got to be careful that we don't read too much into. You know, we still got you know, three, four games to win before we get to that point. So, but it feels good for sure. Traditionally, the Patriot League not given too much respect in recent years. So, even though you guys not only are undefeated, but playing historic football, the three shutouts, I mean, all these things that you guys are accomplishing, absolutely nuts. But saying that, you lose to a team in the Patriot League that may run the table or something in that scenario. You guys aren't even guaranteed of going to the playoffs. So I definitely see where Coach is coming from. Yeah, absolutely. All three shutouts equally special, or does one really stand out to you? I mean, any shutout you can get is special. I think, honestly, though, the William & Mary shutout probably at the time meant the most because, you know, going all the way down to Virginia and um, playing against a big CAA team, uh, and they were talking in the first quarter. You know, they didn't really respect us. Um, you know, the Patriot League, as you mentioned, 
you know, isn't supposed to go down and beat two CAA teams in a row, much less shut them out. So uh, it felt good to be able to do that uh, against the big away crowd and, um, you know, silence those guys. You haven't allowed a touchdown since the first game. What is the difference about this defense since that opening game against Holy Cross? I mean, you showed flashes of brilliance against the Crusaders, but since that game, you've put it together for four quarters every single game. Sure, yeah. I mean, um, you know, when we went back and watched that film, you know, there were just a few big plays that we gave up, a few minor mistakes that you tend to have week one of any season, so... You know, yeah, we wish we could have that one back. Um, you know, in hindsight, we think we could probably could have had a shutout that game, too. Um, but, you know, it's that's all right. So, you know, we moved on. We made our mistakes. And, um, you know, Coach Schaff and Coach DeCosti and Coach Belfiore, Ice and all the defensive coaches, Coach Foster, have done an awesome job this year, you know, breaking down film and, you know, putting us in the right position to succeed. Um, and they just let us, you know, really play free. You know, runners and hitters is what they like to call us. So um, they just let us, you know, do that, run around the field and hit people. Entering the game now, Dylan, do you and the rest of your defensive teammates think shutout, or could that be a distraction? Do you just think one play at a time, or is it hard not to think, hey, we're talented enough, let's do this every single game? Yeah, I mean, I think that's every defense in the country's goal is to have a shutout. Coach Hunt says, you know, our defense has the goal to shut them out every single play, and that is the mindset. You know, we want to be, you know, the best individual players on the field every single play, the best defense in the country every single play, and when you know, when you have that mindset, you have that tenacity and toughness, you know, every single play, it adds up, and then you see, you know, the results that we've been putting on the field. So, you know, those shutouts are definitely goals, but it's definitely a play-by-play uh, mindset. What you guys are doing is basically unheard of. So why are you guys so good? I mean, you're doing things that haven't been done at Colgate in 50 years. Yeah, I mean, like I said, there's a lot of credit to the coaches, um, you know, they don't get enough credit uh, for the things that we do on the field. They just put us they put us in the right spot to do our jobs. And then, you know, I just think we're a really athletic defense and we're really tough. Those are the two words that I tag our defense with is, you know, we're very fast, we're versatile, we can do a lot of different things, and we're just tougher than everybody else. That's the way, you know, uh, that's the way I was raised. That's the way a lot of the guys in our defense, that's the way they live their lives. And, you know, it translates to the field when you're just tougher than an offense. You know, anything's possible. And I know this is cliche, but I really see it in this defense, especially with the depth like we saw Abu Dharami Soiree go out and who comes in, an experienced guy like Courtney Mims. So the depth is there. And the other thing is, Dylan, and I know this sounds cliche, but there's really no weak spot on this defense. I mean, you start from the defensive line, go the linebacking core, to the secondary, I mean, you could put this on any other Patriot League team. You you could put a lot of these guys on CAA teams, and, and they'd be starters. So, I mean, th- this there really is no weak spot. It's not like the offense can go, okay, linebackers are stacked. We're going to pick on the cornerback. Can't do it here. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's kind of what I was saying with the versatility thing. You know, our linebackers, they ask us to do a lot. You know, I'm, I'm covering a slot receiver one play, and then I'm, I'm blitzing through a B-gap another play, and you know, our safeties, you know, Alec Wisniewski is probably the hardest-hitting kid in our team, and then, you know, you find him in the middle of the field half the play or half the game. So, you know, I think I think it's just the fact that we can do so many different things at our positions. We're very athletic, and, um, you know, like I said, the coaches put us in, in great spots, um, and it's a credit to them. 
Yeah, I think two or three straight plays against Cornell. Every time I said, okay, pass intended for this person and pass coverage provided by Dylan Deolius, I was saying to myself, wait a second, well, what's Dylan doing back there? But uh, is that something you had to get used to covering slot receivers in at the Division One level, or is that something you always felt comfortable with, or is that something you definitely had to train yourself to be ready for? Yeah, you know, actually in high school I played safety and a little bit of corner even, and that was about 20 pounds ago. I was about 180 pounds, and I'm about 205, 210 now. So, you know, that was something that I kind of grew up doing. Um, I had a great uh, defensive backs coach in high school. Um, he was, you know, a professional football player, so I, I had the privilege of learning a lot from him and about man-to-man coverage. And uh, so, you know, I was put in that situation a lot, and then they asked me to come come in here and put on some pounds and play linebacker and you know, the, the same position that I play, like I said, that's a lot of me. You know, I've, uh, I find myself taking on tight ends, and then I find myself, you know, covering their fastest spot receiver down the field. So I get a lot of help from my safeties, though. Don't get me wrong. I'm not covering those guys man-to-man every single play. And Coach Dacosti, you can ask him. He loves to help me out as much as he can. But, you know, that's something that I, I, was, I was prepared for. I didn't know I'd be doing it as much as I do. Um, but that's definitely something that's always kind of been in my repertoire. Yeah, and Max Hartsman, he kind of took the Colgate Coaches Show podcast listeners down to the field. And uh, if you can do the same, Dylan, there's a lot that goes on, more than people think probably, after the huddle break. So what kind of communication, what are you guys kind of looking for without giving too much away after the offensive huddle breaks to determine, are you going to rush? Are you going to protect against a run? Are you going to cover a slot receiver? What kind of communication and who is communicating after that huddle breaks? I mean, really, it's everybody. Um, I mean, like you said, I'm not going to give anything away, but this past week, um, our defense was pretty much completely up to us on the field. You know, we got, honestly, like one or two calls from the sideline the entire game, and then it was up to us on the field, you know, based on their formation, based on their personnel, um, you know, to, de- to decide who's you know playing where, who's covering what, who's dropping to what zone, you know, who's blitzing where. Um, and, you know, I think that's a credit to our experience that our coaches trust us enough to be able to recognize, you know, who's on the field and uh, be able to communicate with each other and, you know, get, it, get ourselves in the right spot. You know, like you said, that's something that we, that we do a lot. For sure. Yeah, and it was funny after the William and Mary game talking to Coach Schaffner about first time back to back shutout since 1966. And he didn't even blink an eye. The first thing he wanted to know how many rushing yards did William and Mary get? As long as it was under 100, he was pumped. That's always a point yeah. of emphasis, Dylan. Yeah, no doubt. I think to win football games, Coach Hunt and Coach Schaff always preach this. If you run the ball and stop the run better than, than the other team, you're going to have a great chance of winning the game. Um, you know, and that's something that, you know, we always focus on. A lot of teams that we've played so far, you know, have excelled running the football. And, um, you know, if, you're, if you can get a team to get uncomfortable and if you're able to stop the run and you can, you know, change the way they like to attack you, then, um, you know, that's a big advantage. Teams are, would like to run power. Like William and Mary wanted to run power against us. And all week we were saying, stop the power, stop the power, make it a throwing football game, and that's what we did. And, you know, once you get teams uncomfortable like that, I think, you know, you can really take advantage, and that's when you start to see those, you know, big-time defensive numbers. Tell us about the William & Mary play when you recovered a fumble and you got to run with it a little bit, Dylan. Yeah, um, so I was, me and TJ were running a blitz off the strong side, and um, I saw him come free, and I spun out to my block, and 
I saw, I was originally thinking this guy might slip away from TJ, so I just want to be here just in case, you know, he slips away, I'll grab him. And then I see TJ punch at the ball, flies out, and then I picked it up. And I, to be honest with you, I was thinking touchdown, and I didn't really know any, anyone was behind me. Um, so I was kind of upset that I got tackled on, like, what, that 15-yard line, but it's all right. So. But it was, a, it was a cool play to start the game up. It got a lot of energy for our sidelines. Do you take pride, or does the linebacking court take pride in the fact that all four starters are from the state of Pennsylvania? Uh, we talk about that all the time, the PA boys. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're from all over Pennsylvania, too. Johnny, Stephens from, you know, northeast Scranton area. And then you got TJ and Nelly, Nick I and Nelly. We call them Nelly from uh, Pittsburgh area, and then I'm from the Philly area. So it feels good, you know. Uh, we like to we like we argue with some of our teammates about you know what state state's the toughest state. The Florida and Texas boys like to give us some trouble, but um, we like to think that Pennsylvania is the toughest state. So it's definitely a cool thing that you know we're all from the the PIAA. Other than currently sporting the best beard in the Colgate football program, what does Jordan Belfiore, the new outside linebackers coach, bring to the program, Dylan? And energy, man. That guy, he lives and breathes football. Um, you know, I've been lucky to have some great coaches here throughout the years um, that have filtered through, but Coach Belfiore, without a doubt, has the most energy. Um, he's got a very high, very high football IQ. He's got a very serious love for the game and a very serious love for our success as people and as football players. So, you know, that guy cares about us more than anything, and he cares about winning more than anything. So he's, a, he's been a great fit to our, our, our linebacking group. And, um, you know, to have a young guy balance. Uh, Coach Schaff out. It's been pretty cool to have him around. Um, so, you know, we love him. Yeah, and I went back and I saw a very youthful-looking Dylan Deolius in 2015 wearing the number 45. Why did you ultimately make the switch to 41? Yeah, um, my mom wanted me to wear 41 because she wanted to know where I was on the football field in high school. I was number 41 um, my sophomore, junior, and senior year. So um, that was a um, a big deal for my mom. She went through a lot my freshman year, and she wanted to see number 41 back on the field. So uh, it opened up for me my sophomore year, and I asked Coach uh, Hunt if I could take it back, and he said, as long as you have a 3 GPA, it's all yours. So I made sure I got that GPA, and um, 41 came back. What is it like seeing a teammate on an NFL practice squad in Pataphrie? Yeah, I mean, that is it's awesome. I mean, everybody on this team dreams about you know, playing in the NFL, if you play Division One football, that's your ultimate dream is to, you know, play at the next level. And, you know, Pat, me and Pat were pretty close. Uh, we played on the same side of the field, so we talked a lot. Uh, we talked a good amount off the field. So um, it's pretty amazing, and I'm so happy for that guy. He worked harder than anybody else. He knew from day one, you know, um, you know, the, the second that I met him that he wanted to play in the NFL and that he, you know, he thought he was good enough to play in the league and, you know, I think when you believe in yourself like he does, and he was surrounded by a lot of good people, and you know, you know, he was a you know hard worker and believed in himself and had determination, and you know, it's really cool to see you know a guy like that who was kind of under recruited, kind of under scouted, he got hurt his senior year, and to see him you know having so much success now is it's really awesome for us to see, and it's, it's inspiring. How are you feeling right now? Do you feel like a senior, banged up at all, or are you feeling pretty fresh, Dylan? How are you feeling? Yeah, I mean, I think once you get to this part of any season, you start to feel a little banged up. But, you know, I'm definitely feeling my age a little bit. We always joke around about that. 
Um, <clears throat> but you know, it's a, it's a good sore. You know, I'm, I'm gonna miss it. You know, when it's gone. So um, it's something that I can't push through. You know, there's, there's no practice that I'll miss because you know little bumps and bruises. Because that's just you know that's the way football is. And um, so we're all sore. I know TJ, Nelly, and John are all sore too, and we push through it together because we need each other out there on the field. Um, so we're all good. What are you thinking you're going to do with yourself after graduation, Dylan? Any future plans? I'm still kind of working on it. You know, you don't really want to focus too much on anything other than football during the season. But I've, you know, I've spoken to some alums, and you know, I don't know, some sort of maybe investment management or commercial real estate in some capacity. I'm not too sure. I'm going to focus on these next, you know, four plus weeks, as you know, and you know, soak them in as much as I can before I you know, start diving into what next year looks like. You going to break out a Halloween costume for 2018, Dylan, or no? Oh, man, I don't know. Me and TJ were talking about this. We don't really know what we're going to be this year. Um, we were thinking of maybe doing some sort of theme thing, like we all dress up like the characters from the Sandlot or something like that. Um, but, no, I'm not too sure yet. i got to get on that it's, what, in a couple weeks now, right? Yeah. Can't wait for it, Dylan, and thank you so much for being on the first ever Colgate Coaches Show podcast. I really appreciate it, Dylan. Absolutely. Thanks, Gate Raiders Dylan Deolius, and that will wrap up the first ever Colgate Coaches Show podcast. Until next time, this is Eric Malinowski saying be proud to wear the maroon and white of your Colgate Raiders.